0: Well, hello again, everybody. William Lutz back here for the uh, Beyond the Column podcast. First, a little bit of an apology. Um, It's been longer than a week since our last podcast. And when we did our last weekend warm up, we had every intention of getting a new podcast up before the family vacation, but that uh, did not happen. And I want to sincerely apologize to everybody. Uh, we thought we could squeeze it in, but with a last minute packing and a last minute home improvement project, uh, time was not on our side. So we just had to uh, put some things on the back burner. Uh, the latest edition of the podcast was one of those things, but never fear. We're just going to pick up where we left off. Um, we're going to act like last week didn't really happen. And we're just going to continue to move ahead. Um, I will say it was a wonderful vacation. Got a, up to southwestern Michigan where our family's been before. Had a wonderful time in St. Joseph in South Haven. Uh, spent a lot of time with the family. Got some good ideas for the podcast coming up. And so hopefully uh, the week away was uh, what you will... able to say it was a good week uh, because hopefully the materials and the uh, content that we provide will be of a higher quality moving forward. But going back to last week's weekend warm up, we talked about something that was first started in 1956 and it will be finished this fall we talked about how this was something that has changed American society. And it's something that uh, once we've gone this far, we can't go back. So what was that thing? And it was on June 29th, 1956. President Eisenhower signed the federal aid highway act of 1956, creating the interstate highway system. Yes. Believe it or not, the interstate highway system Uh, as it was originally planned back in the 1950s, has finally just been completed. And where was this completion at? It was in all places, uh, New Jersey. There was a part of Interstate 95 that uh, right after you got out of Philadelphia, uh, Interstate 95 just kind of disappeared. It turned into a, a different freeway and picked up Interstate 95 back in New Jersey um so right now as we are speaking that last section of interstate 95 taking folks basically from uh the northeast suburbs of Philadelphia into um New Jersey along the New Jersey Turnpike is being finished and uh, it kind of made me think of another portion of our interstate system which i believe was interstate 90 There was a small town in Idaho, and I can't remember the name of it, but this was back, I believe, in the mid-90s. The interstate actually went through the town, like through the town. Main Street was the interstate. Uh, Traffic was stopped at the stoplight in town, being part of the interstate. And I don't know if you could park on the interstate there. I can't remember that part, but I do know that it was basically the interstate went through this town and it kind of makes sense. Um, I doubt that there's a lot of travel on interstate 90 in Northern Idaho. Um, can't really think of two big cities that it's connecting to. Um, but that large section of interstate of a couple of miles was uh, rerouted across, across the Northern part of the town as they put in kind of a, a bypass around there. But it got me thinking about the larger aspects of interstates and wow, uh, has the interstate highway system really changed American way of life. Um, First thing is, is that when I was a kid, one of my favorite books was actually a road atlas and um, I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed looking at the numerical patterns uh, that the interstate highway system went through. And so here's a quick little primer. The numbers go higher from the south to the north and from the west to the east, even number roads go east to west. Odd number roads go north to south. And if the road ends with a five or a zero, it is meant to be a cross country highway. So you take a look at interstate 95, um, using those rules, it kind of goes across the country and it's on the Eastern seaboard. It goes from Maine all the way down to Florida. Interstate five, on the other hand, uh, is on the West coast, goes all the way from San Diego up to Seattle, Washington. Um, interstate 10 takes you from Jacksonville, Florida, all the way to Los Angeles, California on the South. Interstate 90, I think goes from, from Maine all the way across the country, uh, over into Washington state. And so that's how the interstate highway system, um, was created. Uh, the town I live in Troy is on interstate 75, which again, will take you all the way up from uh Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, all the way down to uh, Miami, Florida and interstate 70s there, which I think takes you from roughly Baltimore uh, out to to Denver. It might even go as far as, as San Francisco. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, we created these interstates uh, in the 1950s. It was originally done for military purposes to ensure that uh, if something were to happen and troops needed to be quickly deployed in different parts of the country, there would be this super highway system to make that happen. And in fact, there was a specific rule that the uh, overpasses had to be of a certain height so that they could um, get the missiles on the trailers underneath those overpasses. Um, And of course this was kind of president Eisenhower's legacy. And uh, one of the reasons that he came up with this legacy is he remembers his own time when he was a young soldier uh, back at the turn of the 20th century. And when he was uh, riding along, it would take two weeks to go from coast to coast. And now that time, you went from two weeks to just a matter of days now, thanks to the interstate highway system. And while the interstate highway system had a unique And profound impact on America's military, it probably had an even more unique and profound effect on America's economy. I mean, take a look at how communities that are along the interstate highway system grew and prospered, especially compared to those communities that aren't along the American interstate highway system. Um, I'm taking a look at my own town again of Troy, which is located in Western Ohio. It has two interchanges in the city. There are kind of two other interchanges that are in between cities. Um, But when you think about the economic growth, uh, the commercial growth that has occurred in these communities, it has occurred right there at those interchanges. Um, West main street, which is kind of the big dragon Troy for all the locals uh, takes you from the East side of town to the West side of town. And I remember going along West main street when the interstate was there and there was a, a, an ice cream factory, a bank, and a gas station and this was probably as far back as the 1980s um but really once uh once the 1990s came there was phenomenal economic growth uh the Walmart came um uh, Myers came which is another kind of Walmart like superstore um fast food restaurants galore more gas stations more banks uh, shopping center um, Everything that anybody would equate to modern suburban living is right there on West Main Street. And what happened in Troy happened to other communities up and down any interstate in America almost. Um, These interchanges were golden or they were just the the gold mine that communities were looking for uh, to help drive economic prosperity and the reason is is that if you could attract travelers along that road um, to spend money in your community those dollars that come in that's that's the easiest type of dollar to get um, in terms of trying to promote economic development in your town um, There's very little cost involved and those dollars, when they come in and they're attracted to the community, um, they have this amazing multiplier effect because the people who usually work at those stores live in the community and they spend those dollars elsewhere in the community. So those dollars just get turned over and turned over and turned over and it can have just an amazing effect on how a community can grow, uh, their local economy. And so we've seen that everywhere. And the flip side is you see towns that aren't as strong that aren't across, um, the interstate highway system. So I'm, I'm specifically thinking of kind of these old pike towns that exist that, that are just shells of what they once were. Think of a place like uh, Brant, Ohio, which is a small community in Southeast Miami County. And I I worked there for many years Um, before the interstates came. It was a a thriving village, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, It had an odd fellows hall. It had a small grocery. um, I believe there was a gas station there. And by the time I was there, none of that was there. Uh, There was a small drive through. That was it. And it was because Interstate 70 was just a couple miles south, and that US 40, which Brandt is on, was no longer the main um, drag that people used uh, to get across the country. And so the interstates took away from some of the existing uh, routes that were used to go across the country because it was a quicker way to do it. Um, if you've ever saw the movie Cars, um, that whole story is explained in great cinematic detail of uh, how Radiator Springs uh, was once this thriving little community in the Arizona desert, and then once the interstate came, that was the end of uh, That was the end of Radiator Springs until uh, Lightning McQueen, the car driver, comes back and fixes the town. And it was a cute story. Um, There was a lot of significance um, to that story in terms of what communities were going through at the time. So uh, one of the stories that I'm also reminded of is my grandfather worked on the interstates. Now, he was in World War II. Uh, He was stationed in New Caledonia and he had plenty of uh, war stories about his service. And after the war, he comes home, needs a job. He worked for Fenton Concrete. I don't know anything about Fenton Concrete. I assume they were more of a local outfit, but uh, I don't know. But they, they had some of the contracts to build some of the physical interstates. And so he remembers building uh, some of interstate 75 and, uh, he, he told me stories of how he felt that the interstate was not going to be uh, used, how it was not going to be very popular. And, and I asked him why, and he said, it's just too darn boring. Uh, there's absolutely nothing on these roads to see. There's nothing off these roads to do. Um, if you like traveling in a fairly straight line, um, the interstate highway system is perfect for you. And um, even though he passed away just a few years ago, I I often wonder what he would think about looking at the highway system today, how it has grown exponentially um, to to limits that I don't think even the original planners would have thought that the use would be today. And so as we think about the interstate highway system, you know, what does the future hold for it? Um, And and I really, I really don't know. Um, We are seeing more and more interstates be built. Um, When I took a look at the uh, interstate highway map for this story, I was surprised to learn that there is an interstate two. Um, I always thought interstate four in Florida was the lowest numbered interstate, but it's not. It's interstate two along the um, Rio Grande down in Texas. Um, Connect some of the communities down there. And so you're seeing that more and more highways are being built. Um, In our large cities, you are seeing more and more expressways and highways be built with larger and thicker lanes, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Everyone believes that to increase uh, commuting times, to make the commute better, you need to add more capacity. And the best way to add more capacity is to build more lanes. And while that may seem true, it's also very simplistic um, because you, you also wonder, well, are these lanes being used when traffic is not heavy? Um, I can give you an exaggerated example of this. If you've ever driven through Cincinnati, Ohio, you know, what a horrific experience that can be. Uh, you will be driving into the city, either from the North or the South. It doesn't matter. And traffic will just magically stop. Um, many times for no rhyme or no reason. It just stops. You will eventually crawl along for uh, 10 to 20 miles an hour for a couple miles. And then magically it will just go faster. Um, hit it at rush hour and it takes forever to get through the city of Cincinnati. But if you hit it at two o'clock in the morning, which I've done on, on a few occasions with flights coming into the Cincinnati airport, uh, you can get through downtown Cincinnati, um, in about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, no traffic, it just flies by. It's pretty, pretty interesting how that works. In fact, some people say that, uh, adding roads, adding lanes to a highway is like beating obesity by buying a bigger belt. Um, you're not really changing your habits as much as you are, um, just adding girth to the interstate highway system. And you know, that, that new pavement, that stuff is awfully, awfully expensive. And if you've lived in Ohio, and I'm going to assume that this is true all over the country, you know that the interstate highway system is never really complete. Um, There's always some type of construction going on. Um, The city of Interstate 75 through the city of Dayton just kind of completed maybe two years ago, their modernization process. And in reality, it needed it. Um, We had the Route 4 interchange, which was locally called Malfunction Junction. And the reason for that is because if you came from the north and you were trying to get on State Route 4, which took you to the east, um, you had to exit in the left-hand lane, which meant if you were in the left-hand lane, you, you had to slow down to get into uh, the exit lane to get onto route four. And most people don't want you driving slow in the left-hand lane. And there were also so many exits. I mean, exits were probably uh, spaced out as uh, like a quarter of a mile. And and so there were always fender benders of people getting on, getting off the interstate um, just because there was not a lot of space in between those particular um, exits along the highway. And so it became very, very difficult to try to navigate that interstate. It was also only two lanes and many spots. And so now it's three. In fact, if you take a look at interstate 75, just south of I-70, you've got places where I think it's 10 lanes, five lanes in each direction. And, um, I remember the first time driving it, I was pretty impressed because you only saw uh, five lane interstates um, in pictures in Los Angeles where the traffic was bumper to bumper and absolutely miserable. And so um, you kind of know that you're living in a big city depending on how wide your interstates are. And and I don't know if I would consider Dayton that big, but it's certainly bigger than uh, than many cities out there. And so, what I want to know from you is, um, what do you think about our interstate highway system? Um, some of the stories that you have, some of the stories of road trips, things of that nature that existed out there for you. Those are the things I want to know about. Um, is was the, has it been a good thing? Is it been a neat thing? Uh, does it hold a special place in your heart, or is it just a place of misery where you have to go um, beat the burden and beat the uh, beasts? of the daily commute to and from your job. Um, it's amazing how one ribbon of road can evoke positive emotions in some and just negative emotions in others. Well, we're going to end the podcast. Now we want to thank you for listening again, interact with us, uh, send us an e- email at beyond the column at beyond the column podcast, excuse me, at gmail.com tweet us at beyond the column on Twitter. Look at our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash beyond the column. We thank you so much for listening. We're looking forward to talking to again, talking to you again next week here on the beyond the column podcast. Have a great week, everybody.